As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are listening to the Cross Kingdom Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from Justin Carpenter. 1 Timothy 2, 1-2 says this. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made uh, for all people, for kings, for Democrats, and Republicans. That was the nearly inspired version. Uh, For kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Um, Let me say this about, about prayer since we're on this. Whoever is in office of our nation, you need to be interceding for them, whether you like them or not. Because it says that we can live in peace and a quiet life if we choose to pray over our leaders. And at the end of the day, God sets up the authority structures, right? And it says He can turn the heart of the king any direction He pleases. And so we, um, in the midst of being extremely divided right now, in church and in our nation, we need true unity to come back. We need true fellowship of the believers to return. And we need to stop um, majoring on minors. So, but with this invitation of prayer, do you realize there's never been a major move of God without intercession? Ever. Every time God's moved, it was, at, um, it was an answered prayer of intercession. When Pensacola broke out, they were, they were tarrying for over two years that God would move. And then God chose to move on Father's Day. And that day, oh, come on. That, that day, John Kilpatrick hit the ground and he was out for hours. And he said the very first thing that he saw when he came to were children. And they were dancing. And they were in the, in the anointing. Um, for those of you that stayed last Sunday night all the way to the very end, I locked up at 11.06 last Sunday night. Uh, John prophesied over Lisa and I, and one of the things he said, and many don't 
know this. Like this was the Lord. He says, I don't know if this is a, a deposit or, or an answer to a prayer or, or just the desire of your heart. He goes, but it's like the echoes of the, the healing revivals of the past. And the Lord says, it's yours. And he says, there's a, du- there's a well that's dug here and it's primed. Listen, if God doesn't show up, we might as well go home. I don't want to waste my time. Right? And, and, and if, we, if we think that we can cultivate a life of intimacy with God apart from prayer, we've lost our marbles. Jesus, Jesus told the disciples in the garden, you know, he goes, watch and pray. And he told them to watch and pray one hour. What if, what if our baseline of being alone with the Lord daily, that we actually got an hour alone with the Lord each day, all of us, and, and then all of a sudden we come together after six days of all of us knocking the doors of heaven? What would that look like? What, what would it look like if we begin to pray without ceasing? That does not mean close your eyes. We, some of you drive bad enough as it is. I would say something to Che, but she's not here. And the, the discipline of prayer, I'm telling you, you can get so busy, so busy doing amazing things and not pray. You can get so busy doing ministry and all of a sudden you're in a place of deficit because you've not spent time with the Lord. It said it was Jesus' custom to go to the mountain at night and pray, and many times he would pray all night. In fact, before he chose the 12 disciples, he prayed for eight hours straight. Who's done eight hours straight of prayer? I haven't. I think, no, I'm like, I think the longest I ever did one time was four hours, and I thought I was a champ. But he prayed eight hours. He would literally, could you imagine if, if a healing revival broke out right now in this moment? And, and literally, he would, he would say, okay, see you all later. And he would leave the masses and he would go and pray. He told the disciples, watch and pray that you don't enter into temptation. What, what would it have looked like if they watched and prayed for those three hours? And they had actually strengthened their spirit to such a degree that the temptation to deny him and flee from him and betray him was no longer there. It's possible there would have been more crosses up there. There, There's something that absolutely changes the very DNA of your being when you enter into prayer and you give yourself to prayer. When, when you still your mind and you still the clamor of your mind of all the thoughts and you actually go into prayer with the motivation of simply just being with the Lord. See, too many times we enter into prayer and we have this idea that, okay, I have this list. And we go in and we pray our entire list and then we leave. 
But prayer's conversation. It's a two-way street. And, and the more we develop a life of prayer and intimacy of prayer, guess what happens? You actually find yourself praying more for the needs of others than your own needs. And you actually step into the place concerning your own needs and you just give thanks because all of His promises are yes and amen in Christ. And you understand that not even a sparrow falls to the ground that he doesn't know about. So why would we spend hours of prayer on our simple needs when they've already been guaranteed to be met through Scripture? And so we've got to step out of a place of immaturity in our prayer life and actually begin to cultivate a life of prayer or a lifestyle of prayer and and pray without ceasing. Um, For those of you that don't know who Dr. Caroline Leaf is, She's a very smart brain woman. She's like a, a neurosurgeon. And, you know, there's a, there's a 3D uh, uh, brain scan. And it can, it can scan your brain. And where the neurotransmitters have died in your brain through addiction and through different things, your brain actually looks pitted in the picture. Did you know that when you get your heart healed and it says be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that means it goes well beyond your logical thinking. When that happens, did you know your brain's actually rewired? Did you know that your thoughts, the way you think about yourself and the way you think about others, actually changes you on a DNA level? That's above my pay grade. But... but there's a prayer of supplication in Hebrews 5, 7. It says, we see Jesus offered up prayers and supplication with loud cries and tears. Who gets, who gets freaked out about cries? Like the, the old Pentecostals and Assemblies of God, they would do what is called praying through. And, and early on when I was still very much Baptist, I, my buddy took me to this church and they were speaking in tongues and freaking me out and... And they were, and what they were, I know what they were doing now, they were what they called praying through. To me, I wanted to grab my Bible and get out of there because it scared the dickens out of me. But they would tarry and they would wait. They would wait until they got the breakthrough. So many times we'll pray for things in our life and we'll keep seeking, keep knocking, keep asking. But then when we don't see it in a week, we stop and we get upset. Right? And we don't tarry in prayer. And what you miss is the beautiful process that happens in prayer that goes way deeper and way beyond the answer. See, God's working a process with you. Everything's about process. He's way more interested in what you're becoming in the midst of that than what you get. He, he can answer prayer like that. It, literally, in a moment, whatever you've been praying for, asking for, He literally can give it to you in a second. And so if He's not answering your prayers that you've been praying through for a long time, there's a purpose in it. He's actually developing the character inside of you so that when He answers that prayer, you can steward the gift that He's given you. If He gave your three-year-old car keys, what would happen? It'd be... I'll tell you what would happen. My Jeep ran into a building one time and the bumper got crushed 
and neither one of my sons know what happened. Only one of them was tall enough to reach the pedal and the shifter. I'm just saying. But God never gives you a gift that he's going to have to turn around and judge you for. And so there's so much more going on when you enter into prayer. You can enter into a place in prayer where literally you are no longer aware of your physical needs to eat, to drink. There's actually a Hebrew word called Kavanaugh. And it means that you're totally spirit, soul, and body focused on the Holy Spirit. And, and you actually can go into that place and be there for hours and totally lose track of time. There, there's something that we've lost in the Western church, and it's the art of praying the Scriptures. One of the quickest ways to renew your minds, to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, is to actually pray the Scriptures. It's to actually personalize the promises and put your name in there. Well, in, instead of focusing on a weakness or the problem, focus on the promise and then grab all the promises that have to do with that problem, and then personalize them, take them into your prayer closet, and pray them until you actually believe them. You know you can quote Scripture and not believe it, right? And there's something very beautiful that happens when that truth becomes reality. There's something happens when it goes from right here into here. When I teach on how to hear God, prophecy, the prophetic, the prophetic is better caught than taught. I can teach on it all day long, but there's something that shifts in your spirit when you actually get into a position and you put your catcher's mitt on and go, okay, God, talk to me. I want to hear from you. And you actually believe that he wants to talk to you because it says, my sheep hear my voice, John 10, 27, and the voice of a stranger they're not going to follow. What if every one of you had this confident expectation that when you went into prayer that you would hear from the Lord, you wouldn't just speak to Him? This is about breaking unbelief. You want to know America's number one problem, or the church in America's number one problem? It's one word. It's called unbelief. And if Jesus rebuked the disciples, He's sure in the world is going to rebuke us for unbelief. If they were empowered with authority... And power over all the enemy and uh, over the enemy and all sickness, and then they get stuck in a place. He says it's your unbelief. I'm telling you, we're right on the cuffs of a of a baptism of fire for repentance, because repentance, the fire of repentance, has to come back to the body of Christ, so that we can be ready for what God's about to do. Repentance is a gift. You, you, it is absolutely a gift. In fact, check this out. One of the Hebrew words for prayer means to judge yourself. Ooh. So when Jesus says, judge yourself and you won't be judged, how does that take place? Here's a perfect example. David is praying to the Lord, God, search my heart. David was judging himself. He was praying. He was praying that word. Search me, Lord. Tell me if there's anything in me, any unclean thing in me, because he didn't want it. In my office three days ago, we had um, a, a couple of people in my office were doing communion. And one of them, right in the middle of communion, got attacked. 
right? And, and is it that bad? <clears throat> they, they got attacked, and guess what happened? And, and the Lord began to speak to me a little bit. I said, now isn't that interesting? I said, you just got attacked when you were doing communion, right? I said, what is the purpose of communion? Like, healing comes through communion, right? But Scripture says, let one examine themselves. In other words, judge yourself, go into prayer with the Lord, and examine yourself, and allow the Lord to show you if there's anything that needs to be changed. And they came under attack in that moment. I said, why do you think that happened? Because if you go into that place and you're in a lifestyle of communion and examining your heart, then you're automatically removing the legal right of the enemy to attack you. So the enemy doesn't want you doing communion because you're in a place of humility going, Lord, I choose to pray. In fact, the word is this. It's uh, tefla. The Hebrew word for prayer is uh, tefla, and it means to judge oneself. The, the other Hebrew word for prayer is uh, tekanah, and it means favor, supplication, or supplication for favor. Psalms 5 says that God's favor can surround you like a shield. How would you like to be surrounded with the favor of heaven like a shield? Let me tell you something. I've, I've, I've watched God move with His favor on us, and I've watched me try to jackhammer crap up. And I can tell you, I want the favor of God, the jackhammering, and the sweat of your own brawl. Bra- <laughs> that doesn't work. Brow, not brawl. I'm not that, never mind. Right. I dug myself deep enough, sorry. Um... Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. What if there's only one missing ingredient from what you prayed? What if there's only one thing that's missing, and that's why it hadn't been answered yet? What is it? With thanksgiving. In all things, give thanks. Did you know with Job, God said, you jackknifes didn't give any good wisdom. You were horrible friends. And my wrath has been aroused. And he tells Job's friends, go and offer a sacrifice, give it to Job, and let Job pray for you, because I'm not going to hear you. And in the moment that Job prayed for his friends, everything was restored. What if your restoration over things that you lost have been held up because you won't pray for the ones that betrayed you? Your friends, your closest friends. David said, my closest friend lifted his heel against me. Some believe it was actually Jonathan that hurt him. And Scripture says that their souls were knit together. That was like a healthy soul tie. Ephesians 6.18 says, Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. 
Listen, as we really study these scriptures for prayer, it actually gives us a, a unity in the body of Christ together. It actually takes a corporate thread and begins to intertwine us together. And we, we, we begin to pray. You know, when Paul talked about the church in Jerusalem, he didn't say to the first Baptist church, to the second Baptist church, the first this, second that, third this, and the intergalactic international apostolic church of your mama. He didn't say any of that. He said, thank you, Doug. And he's the only one that laughs at my dry humor. That was good. He said to the church of Jerusalem, guess what? Today, when God's addressing something about the church of Kerrville, he doesn't give a flying flip about denominations. He's addressing the body of Christ in Kerr County. Because there are no denominations in heaven, and there's no denominations in the body of Christ. Denomination means to divide. That's good. In James 5.15, he says, And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. The prayer of faith. Pardon? Underline. In Romans 12.3, it says, To each of us has been given a measure of faith. But then there's the gift of faith in 1 Corinthians 12. And how I, how I explain that is that you've been given a measure of faith and what you steward will grow. But if you want to enter into the miraculous realm, you need the gift of faith which comes from heaven and has no doubt. Your measure of faith is, is not so pure that you don't need the gift of faith to operate. And I, I can tell you three times I've operated in the gift of faith. And the only way I can explain it is I felt about 10 foot tall bulletproof and doubt could not touch me. There's a reason why Jesus took the people full of unbelief, mocking, and removed them out of the room. Do you understand that? And then he prays to raise the dead. But he takes unbelief and he actually puts it outside the room. So that means physical walls could actually block unbelief. Right? When he was in his hometown, what did he do? He marveled at his hometown's unbelief. They were offended with him. It says he could only lay his hands on a few sick. He couldn't do any miracles. What does that tell you? It tells you that it takes a greater measure of faith to do miracles than it does to see physical healings. And unbelief is like kryptonite to your faith. I'm going to tell you that sometimes people don't get healed because of the amount of unbelief in a room. If God in His sovereignty allows unbelief to shut the miraculous realm down, and Jesus operated perfectly all of His days within that, you understand He didn't live this life to impress the Father. Jesus didn't live His life to impress the Father. He lived it to redeem us and to set an example of how we're called to live. And I hear a lot of people talking about this next move of God and how we we don't even have a clue what it's going to be like. Let me say something. We need to get back to the book of Acts before we go blowing by it. Because we're not even living at the level of the first century church in this moment. 
And when that, uh, when that foundation is reestablished, then we can have a structure to build greater from and it won't collapse. <clears throat> it says, as, as they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Now, let me bring this to reality. I was in Egypt with Becky. Is Becky still here, or did she go with that? She left. So I was in Egypt with Becky. And there, there's a mountain there that's, that's called basically Dump Mountain. It's the Trash Mountain. And um, if you want to buy pork, you have to go up there because that's the unclean place. So even, even Muslims won't eat pork, not just Jews. And we're up there, and there's this amazing church that was carved into the mountain. I've got pictures of it. Absolutely amazing. And um, like, I think this was in the 1500s. Basically, the imam was talking to their version of the Pope, which is the Coptic church. And they were getting along great until this Jesus thing. And then he read this scripture. And he says, okay. And they were up on that mountain. And he says, you can move mountains. You tell that mountain to move. And you have one week. And if it doesn't move, then you're all dead. So they fasted and they prayed. And they were praying for the Lord to move the mountain. This is documented, y'all. And they prayed and they prayed and prayed for God to move that mountain. And they got all the way up to the last day, to the last hour. And, and he was about to, you know, let them have it. That's my mountain. And an earthquake strikes the mountain. And the mountain literally moves. They measured it. Oh, come on, people. That was better than that. Did you get hit with unbelief? And so, for the sake of time, I'm going to... In Luke 7, 1 to 10, we see the centurion's servant healed because of the prayer of faith. Jesus said, in all of Israel, I've not seen faith like this. And if you study the centurion soldier, what you see is his understanding of authority. So understanding the authority structure of heaven actually equates to a greater measure of faith. Because he goes and he tells them, this one's, um, you know, I have people under authority to me, I tell this one go here, I tell them that one go there, and they do it. And he recognized that Jesus was under a greater authority. And whatever he did, he was being obedient to that authority. Jesus said, just as I am, so are you in this world. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. He said, lay your hands on the sick, they'll recover. Not might recover, or hopefully recover, or, or recover halfway. What if half healings are simply because unbelief only allowed a half a healing? I'm not condemning, so hear my heart. But it's, it's high time that we actually begin to make the Jews jealous. Scripture says that we're supposed to live a life that will provoke the Jew to jealousy. 
grab a hold of it. There's, there's a prayer of agreement, and I'll be doing a part two of this. There's a prayer of agreement. In Genesis 11, 1 to 9, it's the power of agreement is clearly seen at the Tower of Babel. Look at this. All these unbelievers come together, and they come together in unity. They all come together in unity with each other. And they say that they're going to build a tower to heaven. And God responds that now that they're one, nothing is impossible for them. Nothing. And that's why he came down. He said, let us go down and confuse them. And that's when all the languages came about in that moment. And he scattered the people. That was a counterfeit agreement that the world had. Why do you think the enemy is so scared about true unity in the body of Christ? Because when we have unity, we have agreement, let two agree on anything and it's done, what happens? So when we pray the prayer of agreement and we actually come together in unity for each other and jealousy and bitterness and envy and all that other stuff doesn't get in the way and you actually start going for it with that other person and your heart changes and you actually want to see their breakthrough more than your own because that's what love looks like. That's what love looks like. It's not self-seeking. Right? Y'all, it's, it's, it's time to shift this thing. And it starts with us. Right? It's inside out. As we steward and as we pray and we cultivate a life of intimacy, not just to get something from the Lord, but to truly be with Him. Joshua stayed back the whole time. He was always in the tent. He stayed back. And guess what? He took them in. He took them in. Moses wasn't able to take them in, but he took them into the promised land. But he would always stay back and was with the Lord. Your greatest ministry and your greatest effectiveness is always going to be birthed out of the prayer closet. Always. And if you're receiving resistance right now, there's a greater revelation regardless of the source of it. Regardless of why you're being resisted or who's resisting you, if it's being allowed, you need to ask the Lord the greater revelation. Matthew 18, 19, and 20. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. Exodus seventeen eight to 13, God taught the children of Israel the power of agreement through holding up Moses' hands. And when he held his hands up, they won. When his hands came down, what happened? So it took them in unity, strengthening him and being one to actually see the breakthrough come. So the prayer team will come forward. Thank you for listening. For more messages and other resources, please subscribe to this podcast or go to our website at www.crosskingdom.org.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.